0: Chapter 16 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Virginia Neville. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. Chapter 16. A Plot Discovered. Right after school on Monday, we held our regular school meeting in the clubhouse and all that the boys talked about was football. And as I wasn't very much interested, I slipped away from my place at the table and went back into my writing room where I began to write the minutes of the meeting up to the time they started the football talk. In a little while, the skinny guy came in and joined me. What's the matter, Link? I asked. Ain't you a footballer? He waved his hand and shook his head. Not that kind, he said. Those kids talk about what they're going to do, but they never do it. Why don't they go down and practice instead of talking? They'll never get anywhere that way. I laughed. Well, I said, you gotta let them talk. I don't think we're going to have much football this year anyway, do you? Why not? Because we're going to have our hands full watching Pooley and his gang. They have it in for us, right, Link? The skinny guy nodded his head. "'You know they have, Hawkins,' he said, "'and from all that herb Acomb tells me, "'they are the worst lot of fighters we ever met. "'Herb knows Pooley.' "'Well,' I said, "'even if he is one of the worst we ever met, Link, "'we won't let that scare us to death. "'It ain't so much the fighting. "'Fighting ain't all that's in it. "'You've got to admit that. "'Pooley might be a smart kid, "'and his gang the best fighters "'that ever come to our old riverbank.' But when it comes to a showdown boy it's going to be a case of which side figures out things the best if Pooley wants to match his wits against mine I'm willing to give him the chance you're right Hawkins said the skinny guy and if our boys will just let you alone hold on Link I broke in I don't want that it'll take all we got to beat Pooley and his fellows. I'll need every boy in this clubhouse They'll have to stand by me no matter what I do. Remember our old fights with Stoner's Boy and Harkinson and the Red Runners? You know what won our battles with them, don't you? Sure, you figured out the way to forget that. Of course, figuring out beforehand helped us win the fights. We knew what we wanted to do before we started. But what good would all that have done if you fellas hadn't stood close by me to the last and done everything as I said it should be done? "'Yes, that's all well and good,' said the skinny guy, slowly. "'But how are you going to figure out a thing about Pooley and his gang "'when you don't even know where they hang out? "'You never see till they pop up here ready for a fight, "'and who knows but what they are laying for us somewhere in the woods, "'waiting for a chance to get some of us out there alone and beat us up?' "'I mean to find out,' I said. "'Remember the days of old stoners, boy, Link?' you were the one he was afraid of most. You were the swiftest runner in our bunch. You nearly had Stoner once, and he was terribly afraid of you. He didn't seem to worry about any of the rest of us, but he did try to steer clear of you. Well now, I want you to make Pooley feel the same way about you. Link shook his head. No, he said, Stoner's boy wasn't afraid of me. Sure, he knew I could run almost as fast as he could, and he tried to keep out of my reach. But when it comes down to the truth, Hawkins, it was you he feared most. He knew that you were pretty good at figuring things out. He knew you could guess what he was up to, and he was always afraid that you were going to trap him some day. Well, I said, I wonder if we can't make Pooley feel the same way. If I thought, listen to that. It was the far-away sound of a horn. I recognized it at once, the old brass horn that we had heard so many times around this river bank on the days of our fights with Stoner and Harkinson. It was the old brass horn that had been stolen a few days ago from its peg on the wall of this very writing room in which I sat. "'Long Tom!' exclaimed the skinny guy, jumping up. "'Shall I scout around and see what's going on, Hawkins?' Yes, I answered quickly. You're our scout, Link. Remember that, but do be careful. I know you won't get caught. If you do, you'll get the worst trimming from that bunch. Link laughed as he ran out. Don't worry about me, Hawkins, he called back, and I walked to the door and watched him as he sped away toward the river. The clubhouse was deserted. The meeting had come to an end while the skinny guy and I had been talking in my writing room. I could hear them yelling in the hollow where they were practicing their football no wonder they hadn't heard the sound of the old brass horn the noise they were making would drown out all other sounds but there was one boy whose ears were sharper than the others i saw him coming toward the clubhouse as swiftly as he could it was perry stokes the kid who called himself overseer of our clubhouse and he always showed a great liking for me i stood in the door and waited for him "'Did you hear it, Hawkins?' he asked as he came up all out of breath. I nodded. "'Yes,' I said, "'I heard it. And by the way, Perry, now that you've come, I think we'd better go down to the river and take a look. I just let the skinny guy go down to see what he could see, but I think we'd better follow in case he gets in trouble, which I don't think he will.' "'I think we'd better, sir,' said Perry. "'Shall I take a gun?' "'You might take the little rifle,' I answered, "'but be sure you don't take any cartridges, "'not even blanks, Perry.' "'In a little while we had reached the river bank, "'and as soon as I, leading the way, "'stepped out of the bushes that lined the river path, "'I turned my eyes to the right, "'and the next instant I had shoved back "'into the cover of the bushes, "'bumping into Perry as I did so. "'Excuse me, Perry,' I said in a low voice.' but look to the right through these bushes at the top of the cliff that hangs out over the river. What do you see? Perry peered through the bushes. I did likewise and took another look at the object that had given me such a sudden fright. It was a picture, I tell you, a picture that we boys seldom see around here. It was a boy dressed in the costume of the Knights of the Square Table, and he sat upon a pony that stood right on the edge of a great cliff that hung out over the water. That lonely rider in that odd costume, standing out against the reddened sky of the sunset, was a picture that I would like to have painted if I had been an artist. "'Great guns!' exclaimed Perry. "'It's one of the pony riders, sir.' "'You're right,' I said. "'One of Pooley's gang.' "'Let's take a back cut, Perry, so as we can get to a canoe.' "'Then we can paddle down in the shadow of the cliffs "'and keep an eye on him without him seeing us. "'I want to find out.' "'Just then, again, came the sound of the old brass horn. "'The pony rider on the cliff head disappeared. "'He's gone,' I said, "'most likely to answer the call of that horn. "'By golly, Perry, this seems like old times. "'Let's get that canoe out. "'Jerry Moore's long green canoe is at the landing, sir.' In a few minutes, we had reached the little landing and jumped into the long green canoe. Both Perry and I took up a paddle, and soon we were gliding down the stream, hugging the great walls of rocky cliffs that formed the western shore at this point. Then, suddenly, I felt the canoe veer and, looking up sharply, saw Perry holding with his paddle. Look, Hawkins, he whispered and immediately I too held down on my side with my paddle, and we brought the canoe almost to a stop. I turned my eyes toward the point Perry had pointed out and saw the lone pony rider at the edge of the water urging his mount into the stream. Only a moment did the brave little horse hesitate. The water must have appeared cold to the animal, but it plunged in and began to swim the stream as though it were accustomed to it. The boy in the saddle held his knees above the water, and I saw that his riding boots were of rubber. Together we watched, Perry and I, from our canoe, which we had allowed to glide slowly into the shore. The pony rider had not seen us. He was heading for the Pelham shore. Once, while he was in midstream, the sound of the brass horn came again, and the pony seemed to understand it, for he swam faster and soon reached the shore, Where he leaped up and raced away disappearing into the thicket a hundred feet beyond what now sir asked perry across and after him i said excitedly we must not lose sight of him now perry i must know what he is up to and where he is going something seems to tell me i know that fella with one stroke we had the long canoe around and headed for the shore Landing, Perry seemed to wonder how in the world I would find out which way to go, seeing that the pony rider no longer was in sight. The hoof prints, I cried. See, Perry, the bank is money. Look, the horseshoe prints in the mud. Follow 'em. We followed them. They did not lead far. Before we knew it, we had reached the summit of a hill from which we could look down into a sort of basin, around which the trees grew high. It seemed as if the ground within this round depression was not good enough to grow anything. Only the coarse, rough grass covered it, and that only in splotches. It was a great round hole in the woods, and down in the center of this great hole were gathered three boys. One was a face I knew well, even though he did not wear the square cap and the cape of the Knights of the Square Table. It was Pooley, handsome-faced Pooley, his head shaded by a wide, tan felt hat. His shirt and knickers were of a khaki cloth. His legs were encased almost to his knees in tan, high-laced boots. His two companions were tall boys, easily head and shoulders taller than Pooley. Both wore the square cap and blue cape of the knights, and one, who had just arrived on the pony, whose hoofprints we had followed, held a riding whip in his hand, which he struck against his rubber boot as he talked. Of these two companions of Poolie's, I could not recognize either. One had an ugly scar, running from his left eye down across his lips and disappearing under his chin, The other had a scowling look upon his ugly face, which lightened up a bit at times when he smiled at something which was said, although we, at our distance, could not catch their words. Yet, while we watched them, something in this last-mentioned boy's face seemed to tell me who he was. And then, when I saw him raise to his lip an old battered horn, Long Tom, I muttered under my breath, and Perry Stokes nodded his head. The call of the brass horn brought quick results. Upon the opposite edge of the great round hole in the ground appeared a group of pony riders. They came in single file. One after another, they circled half the rim of the natural basin and then began to descend where the three leaders stood. I admired those wonderful-looking ponies, some brown and white, some all black, some gray, but pretty as could be down into the hollow they came one after another and their riders leaped from their saddles and began to tie the ponies together herding them to one side after they had taken care of their mounts the boys came together in the middle of the hollow one of them ran into a little dugout place and came back presently with a little folding table which he set upon his legs in the middle of the place then they all gathered around it and began their meeting Oh, how I wished I could dare to creep closer to hear what they said, but that wasn't necessary, as you shall see. We watched them, Perry and I, from our hiding place above them. They all stood in a circle around the square table, on each corner of which was marked a great K, and in the center of which was a circle with the letter P, which stood for Pooly. Long they talked, and earnestly, and yet not a word of their talk could Perry or I understand, and we dared not go closer, but finally their talk ended. We could see that it was over by the way they all scattered, each one going to his pony and jumping into the saddle. One by one they left the hollow, until finally only Pooley and his two tall boy companions were left. The three of them walked over to where the last remaining pony stood, The boy with the scar took hold of the bridle. Long Tom leaped into the saddle. Pooley and his friend walked on either side, and thus the three of them went up the slope and out of sight, and the hollow was empty. Empty, did I say? Well, not quite, because even a moment afterward, I saw another figure moving in it. It was a long, lean, lanky somebody, moving like a snake from out of the little dugout place up along the side of the slope that led toward us. "'By golly, it was the skinny guy. It was my old scout. He had seen us and was coming toward us.' "'Hawkins,' he called softly. Then, taking more courage, "'Hawkins,' he called in a louder voice, "'Hawkins, is it you, boy?' "'It's me, old-timer,' I called back to him. "'It's me, Link, old fella. What's on your mind?' I saw him smile up at me as he crawled, his fingers digging into the rough grass to help him up. I heard every word they said, he called up to me. Hurry, hurry. Take your time, I called back down to him. Take your time, Link. I'll wait till you come up. Don't lose your breath, old skinny guy. You're a great old scout, if I do say it. They're planning to get you, sec, he cried. Tonight at the clubhouse, you're going to be there, ain't you? Why, yes, I said. Lou Hunter has singing practice tonight. I expect to be there. Good night. Well, the whole pony riding bunch is to tackle the clubhouse at quarter to nine. Did they say that? That's exactly the plans they made down there in that hole in the ground, Hawkins. I didn't say any more. I turned around and led the way back to the river where we had left Jerry Moore's long green canoe. After we three had got in and I had settled myself down in the thwarts while Perry and Link began to paddle, I asked, do you think they will do it, Link? I sure do, he answered. All right, I said, we will get ready for him, which we did. End of chapter 16.